Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Lennon. And for this episode, we are joined by Andy Babact of The Flash Podcast and Titans Podcast to help us shine a character spotlight on Jean Jones' brother, uh, which I'm going to pronounce <sighs> as Malefic. Uh, I think that's the best way to pronounce it. Andy, do you have an opinion? How would you like to pronounce his name? I'm going with what the TV show said, because that seems way simpler. And it seems like for once they just realized, okay, you know what? We don't have to overcomplicate things. Let You know, you know, if, if it sounds like the name, we can just spell it out like that. So because um, I don't think that name that they gave him in the comic was ever supposed to be a name said by any human being, because that there's too many apostrophes there's too many a's that is the way of the martian spelling that that happens to a lot of martian <laughs> names too many too many apostrophes plot twist they don't know how to spell that's why it, their their names all, all messed up what if john jones is only spelled with one z mm. so that is the mystery of the martian spelling they do have <laughs> a lot of weird oddities uh in most of their names so we will uh we'll experiment with the, the name pronunciation uh, since it, since it is a name that would normally just be read in a comic, uh, now we're going to have to talk about it. Uh, but before we do that, we need to get to the news. According to TVLine.com, actress uh, Kate Micucci, whose recent TV credits include roles on Another Period and The Big Bang Theory, will pop up in Supergirl's fifth season premiere, which will be on October 6th, uh, 9-8 Central. And uh, Jessica Queller tells TV Line she's amazing and so sparkly and hysterical and that it's really exciting having her on set. Uh, Jessica Queller also explained that Makuchi has a small cameo as a character working in a museum. So, Morgan, do you have any thoughts on uh, this character and uh, Kate Makuchi coming onto the show? Uh, yeah, I've seen her in things before. Um, I'm blanking on what exactly. Uh, probably... In another, pe- I I did watch another period for a little while, so maybe I saw her on that. But she's very funny, uh, usually. So she might be a you know comedic character on the show. I don't know. Yeah, and if she is doing some comedy, which I think would be a, a good breath of fresh air for the show after last season. Uh, although there were some funny mo- moments in season four, but I am really curious about her working in a museum. What's that about? Uh, what hmm. museum is it? Why is there a museum? Uh, I'm very curious about that because there are several, I mean, there are so many different kinds of museums. You could have an art museum, a natural history museum. Uh, so I'm curious about what that's about and how that will play into whatever story uh, she'll be a part of. Um, Andy, do you have any thoughts on this? I'm still trying to find like a nice way to put this. Uh she kind of drives me a little bit insane anytime I see her anywhere. I don't know what it is. Um, it's probably because I hate women. That must be it. Um, Ugh, so, so there you go. Uh, no, I just, I mean, yay, she's in it. Um, I mean, if, if they should do any museum, I mean, there's only one museum they should go to, and that's the Flash Museum. I because... knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well played. Um, no, it's still it's still 10 years too soon anyway, so... Um, um, Oh, good Lord. If the Flash goes... I, I would not want the show to go on for 10 more years only to get the damn museum. I would be like, guys, come on, just kill Barry and make a museum, then bring him back and be like, oh, look, we built something in your honor. Um, 
I don't get what the point is of announcing a cameo if it's supposed to be a ca- like normally you don't really re- announce your cameos or your, that are supposed to be surprises. So, but that make me, that kind of makes me relieved because I'm like, okay, good. So I only have to listen to her for like a couple seconds. It sounds like she might just be a one-off episode. Yeah, it does. It sounds like maybe like a a, ca- a quick cameo. Yeah, but I agree that. I, I don't I don't know. It is a little strange. Maybe it's because she's a high-profile actress that people know who she is. Maybe I guess that's a way for them is to Is she though? Is she though? Like, I'm going to put in the Amelia Clark uh, meme from Game of Thrones and be like, is she though? Because I don't really know what she's, what she's really known for. All I know is that, okay, she was a Big Bang Fairy, made it really awkward for Raj, and then... <laughs> That was it. Well, The Big Bang Theory was a very popular TV show, so I guess there is that. I guess it's a it's a way to generate some buzz and excitement for season five. Which, honestly, to to be blunt, I think it needs it because I I there's not much right now, at least for me personally, that's generating some excitement. So um, I guess that's that's another way to to get people interested in season five. Um, so I, I don't know much about her. I haven't really seen, it, uh, Kate McCucci in anything. Uh, she has a very recognizable face though. So I'm sure I've seen her somewhere. Uh, but we'll have to see, uh, what she does in this museum of hers. If her cameo ends with her turning, you know, the other way, pulling up her phone and saying, Leviathan is coming. I'm like, good Lord, no. Cause then she's part of it. It could dun, happen. Dun, dun. <laughs> it could happen. Anybody could be part of Leviathan. You never know. <laughs> um, okay. According to Variety.com, Jennifer uh, Chone Garcia. That's a that's a good try. Okay. Thank I you. Guess we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> um, has been cast in a guest starring role in the fifth season premiere of Supergirl, described as the physical manifestation of darkness. Midnight, the character she will be playing, is a murderous villain released from an otherworldly prison to enact revenge against the person who put her there. I mean, Ooh. the physical manifestation of darkness. Isn't that what they called rain? And also, otherworldly prison to enact revenge against the person who put her there. Isn't this just Ford Ross, but just not Ford Ross? Yeah, what other uh, otherworldly prison? I mean, I guess maybe the phantom zone hmm i mean the phantom zone is actually more otherworldly but i guess fort Ross is an alien prison so that could also be otherworldly um so i was curious about the character of midnight because sometimes uh the supergirl tv series will uh take characters from the comics but then they'll put their own little twist uh on them uh, so I was curious about Midnight as a DC Comics character, and apparently there is a DC Comics character named Midnight, but in the comics he was a mass detective and was created by writer-artist Jack Cole for quality comics during the 1930s and 40s, which is what uh, historians call the golden age of comics. Um, so I just wanted to uh, dig up a little bit of the character history because I thought Midnight sounded like a really cool character, and now I'm really bummed that the show is not using this version of the <laughs> character of Midnight. So Midnight was actually uh, a guy named Dave Clark who was a radio announcer in a city called Big City. That's the city name. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. I have a writer named Dave Clark on the Mall Report. Oh, well, uh, this fictional Dave Clark was a radio announcer in Big City, which I guess is no different than Metropolis, because Metropolis is basically <laughs> a big city name. <laughs> big city. Um, so Dave Clark in uh, the comics was an actor in a show named 
The Man Called Midnight. So that was the name of his show that he was acting in. And he was a masked crime fighter on that show. After witnessing the collapse of a 12-story building, he finds out that it had collapsed as a result of deliberate criminal negligence on the part of its builder, a builder named Morris Carlton. And uh, Dave Clark decides to put uh, to fight Carlton and force him to admit responsibility. And to do this, he puts on a domino mask and assumes the identity of Midnight himself. He he becomes the fictional character he played uh, in his show. And after succeeding, he chooses to continue to fight crime as Midnight, the eerie friend of the needy. Uh, so I I'm actually mad at myself that I looked that up because now we're not going to get that. And that sounded really cool. Uh, but maybe the physical manifestation of darkness could be uh, as equally cool. So I'll, I'll, I'm anxious to see what, what they do with the character of Midnight on the show. That should be interesting. And uh, also something very interesting, we got the uh, CW schedule for the upcoming Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. Uh, and uh, Supergirl is going to be the first episode of the five-part event. So part one is Supergirl on Sunday, December 8th at 8 p.m. Eastern, followed by part two of Batwoman on Monday, December 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern. These are all at 8 p.m. Eastern. Then part three is The Flash on Tuesday, December 10th. Part four is Arrow, Tuesday, January 14th. So we we skip some time. Hmm. And then uh, the uh, crisis ends. uh, I guess the crisis is resolved (laughs) uh, on uh, uh, January 14th, which is a Tuesday. And that will be the DC's Legends of Tomorrow episode. What do you feel about there being a break in the middle of this (laughs) crisis event? It's a little obnoxious, isn't it? (laughs) I'm not crazy about it, but in terms of podcasting, I guess it's good for us. Yeah, listen, I will never podcast about a five-hour television event in one night. Because believe it or not, like most humans, I do sleep and eat. (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) what we're probably going to do, and I said this on the Flash podcast and and elsewhere, that... Our big podcast crossover will most likely, will, 99% sure at this point, will be a two-part as well. So we co- will cover the first three hours uh, in December, and then we'll come back in uh, probably, the, I mean, definitely the same week as the crossover to cover the final two parts. Because uh, um, there's no, I mean, given, look, we're now six podcasts involved with this five-hour podcast event, so... We have to split it up. Um, there's no way we can cover five hours of television in one night. I guess part three is going to end on some sort of cliffhanger. Well, you know, when the Flash and uh, is the final, uh, you know, is the last one, and it you know it involves a crisis, it makes me kind of nervous because DC doesn't they don't they don't they don't like putting you know a, a Flash in a crisis and actually make them survive. So. <laughs> Merry Christmas to me, I guess. Uh, here's here's a predictable prediction. Uh, I think the Flash is going to go missing in the crisis mm. on December 10th. That's uh, my guess. Uh, I'm just I'm just saying, not that I've seen that on a newspaper clipping or anything somewhere. Interesting note, though, because um, this came out much later. Um, but um, Stephen Amell, um, who will be dying as uh, Oliver Queen, the, I mean, who who plays Oliver Queen. <laughs> Do you still do you still have that um uh the eulogy? The I'm eulogy. Still on that, you, you you still have your eulogy ready to go? I'm I'm, I'm working on that. <laughs> um, he posted on 
I'm going to hell for being so excited about a character getting killed off of his own show. Um, he posted the the, the five scripts, uh, the, the the script page, uh, the front pages, not the whole scripts, because good lord, he would be so fired. Uh, and it says on the Supergirl script that it will be episode nine of the season. Well, cool. Then we get uh, eight episodes before that. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you for that update. Uh, we'll have to see how this pans out, but... Uh, we have a little bit of a podcasting plan for it so far. So more details to come for that uh, crazy podcast uh, crossover that will uh, go with the crisis event. Um, according to the rap.com Serial Box, which is the same company behind the Orphan Black sequel audio series, is partnering with Warner Brothers Consumer Products to develop a new series based on Arrow and fellow Arrowverse shows The Flash and Supergirl. Uh, the Flash will be the first of the three to launch this fall. Serial Box is working closely with uh, Berlanti Productions to develop new storylines for the characters. Judging by the logline for The Flash, uh, these series will exist outside of the main Arrowverse canon. In Serial Box's eight-episode version of The Flash, Lex Luthor has altered the past so that The Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl are now all bad to the bone, <laughs> fighting for evil and for an altered timeline to become a permanent fixture in the multiverse but even as the heroes go rogue their friends and lovers still half remember the fight to correct the timeline and restore the dc superheroes to the right side of justice um husband and wife writing team and new york times best-selling author uh gwenda bond and christopher rowe will create and write the new storyline for the flash serial boxes president and co-founder julian yap and head of content Haley Wagright will produce. Um, they said, we're thrilled to have the opportunity to super serve fans of these incredible popular <laughs> oh series with new stories, said Serial, co- Serial Box co-founder, uh, CEO, and pun lover, Molly Barton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we look forward to working closely with the Berlanti team to ensure that their creations make a seamless transition to our audio and reading formats. Serial Box said the episodes are the length of an average commute, which is functionally just whatever. Put, plug in your own number, I guess. And, <laughs> and the episodes are available in both audio and reading formats. So what's your average commute? Don't worry. It'll be that length. <laughs> um, so, Andy, what do you think about this? Are they encroaching in the podcast territory? If we don't even get one remote cameo in any of these things, <laughs> why even bother? Um, no, I'm... This was surprising to me, and you know, as soon as I read the log, I'm like, oh, so this has nothing to do with the main canon, because, I mean, one, Lex Luthor, I mean, how as it would be to see Lex Luthor altering our DCTV Trinity, I feel like we've already kind of done that. It's called Cries on Earth X. Yeah. You know, where we, yeah. where I where I had to, you know, put up with with an Oliver and Carl who were married for three hours, um, and then Nazis, you know, all that typical stuff. So I was like, this feels awfully familiar but you know what if if the if the cast actually returns to voice for this audio drama i i will definitely be listening to it because i think that would be fun i know doctor who has had a really good success with their audio dramas with you know so that you know which is a way to bring back you know characters that they can maybe bring back in uh, the the television series and uh, a la john Berman because BBC hates me because you know they don't appreciate captain jack harkness <laughs> anyway i it's it it's exciting. Yeah, I, I'm excited because Gwenda Bond wrote some uh, good young adult Lois Lane novels. 
And so I think she's a good writer, and I think she uh, is is good about digging into characters. So I think the story, at least, is in good hands with Gwenda. Um, I, I do think that this seems like a little bit of a retread, and the fact that Lex Luthor is altering the past seems a little... I don't know, ambitious for him? Like, why is he doing this? Why would he want to alter the past? Uh, does it have something to do with Lena and the horses? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so so I'm, I'm very interested in uh, learning about why he's doing this. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I would listen to it. Uh, I actually do have a very long commute, so this would not be so bad for me. My commute happens to be uh, close to an hour, so I don't know if that's how long the episodes will be. I, I hope that's the length of the average commute. <laughs> <laughs> or else I'm in trouble. We should let Cereal Box know right now. Obviously, they're they're listeners of the show that um, Rebecca and I have voice acting uh, experience. And so we would we would love to do a voice. I think I would do a great nasty Luther if you want to incorporate her into the show. <laughs> Auditions for nasty Luther uh, will be next week. Um, yeah, I I think uh, we could definitely. I mean, all of us here at DC TV podcast, I think would be game for it if they needed just some you know some background characters. I, I think uh, we could we could do that very easily. Uh, so we also got uh, some more information from the CW about Supergirl season five. Uh, they released a new poster uh, uh, featuring the cast with Supergirl in the center. So uh, Morgan, I'm going to throw this over to you first. Uh, what do you think about this new poster that the CW released? Directed by J.J. Abrams. Yes, um, I think. Boy, there's a lot of lens flare. Um, everybody, everybody is uh, is so shiny mm. and bright, mm-hmm. um, which I guess is, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of feel like I think Rebecca and I have kind of talked about this poster off of the, the podcast, but it does feel like maybe they're trying to make like a technology, like is is maybe this is all tying back to technology in some way. Lens flares are are somehow involved. I don't. I don't know. It was. It made me confused. It. It kind of looks like uh, Brainy is um is glowing at the top of the <laughs> of the poster. Is did Brainy do this? And if so, why? <laughs> who, who, who who did we? Who, why did? When did we hurt him? And uh, <laughs> uh, it's just. It's such a weird. I think Rebecca has some some actual good critiques of the poster. My my first critique, and I, I don't want to be mean because I know that these things aren't probably easy to put together. Was was just why is it so ugly? <laughs> I, I just don't understand. So much for good. So much for good cop bad cop. <laughs> I know. I just I, I just don't understand why what I'm looking at here. Um, it's just very, it's very photoshopped. Like you look at this poster and you don't think like, what a cool shot. You think like, wow, how did they shove everybody together and then get rid of like the lines that were originally around those photos? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I saw a lot of people really loving this poster and that's great. If you do, I'm very excited for those people. I think it, it, I think a lot of it comes from the entire cast being featured on the poster. But I, when I opened it up, I was like, ooh, because uh, it is not from a design standpoint and uh, even composition-wise, it's, it's not good. It is not a good, uh, it is not well done. 
Um, and I, I, I do agree with Morgan that, you know, somebody did have to put this together, and I applaud the efforts for that. But there are way too many lens flares. I think at one point when I counted uh, a couple of days ago, there were like 10 of them in there. There's no reason you need 10 lens flares in anything. Um, and it, I do think the technology thing is a good try at explaining why this poster looks the way it does. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't know. I, th- why, why is there a big S shield in the back when there's an S shield on her suit? It's an unnecessary S shield. Um, there, not all of these characters need to be on the poster. James is ducking out in what, six episodes or something? Like he's not even staying the whole season. Why is he on the poster? Not everybody needs to be there. I love all of the cast, but they don't need to be there. Um, even the tagline, is not really like it's united we stand if it was me and i was doing a poster for season five i would feature supergirl and lena on the poster and say divided we fall i think that's a much better sell um so i don't i don't really understand any of this Uh, i think it's a bad poster not all of those people need to be there the s shield is unnecessary and you've got wait, you've got you've got nine too many lens flares. I was about to say. I also want to point out that, like, to Rebecca's point, that there's too many people on this poster. James is on this poster, and we know he's not even sticking around the whole season. Like, I mean, if it had been me, I would have I would have put <laughs> Miss Tessmacher on the poster rather than James. There you go. I mean, we could have also put his desk, like. <laughs> <laughs> If we're just putting <laughs> everything that we love on this poster, I have that, 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 Lena. Does... Lena could be on the poster on her horse. <laughs> like we, we could just get really, like, really out there with this. You know, it, there there should just be everything. Just put everything on the poster. If we're gonna put the entire cast on there, just throw everything at it that would actually be a lot more fun because then you could like make a collage and it'd be like little easter eggs in there i, I could maybe be into that if we're gonna go that route but yeah i i'm not crazy is this is not the supergirl poster i'm gonna hang on my wall let's just say that no it's so there so many lens flares and uh, <laughs> like the more i look at it like so there's a lens flare on like every single character on the poster, but then there's like a circular lens flare around all of them. Is it's like I guess they're all connected in the circle of Supergirl. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I appreciate your effort in finding. I'm trying here. <laughs> I swear to God, I've seen those shots of Brainy and Martian Manhunter before. Yeah, I I do think that that Martian Manhunter for sure. I, yeah, they do look familiar. Oh my god, the, the Martian Manhunter one is from season two when they just moved to the CW. Brainy is, oh good lord, I've seen not these two before. Yeah. But then again, the, the CW are notoriously famous for reusing their artwork and also being very poor Photoshop. Again, I, I give you Smallville season nine where they literally took Erica Durant's season four head and put it on Kristen Crook's body from season six. <laughs> I am not kidding. She looked so tiny because, you know, Erica is tall. And I'm like, what is this? They put Tom's season six head on his season seven body. And I'm like, what? I don't under. Uh. Now, I know that The Flash, they just released uh, a poster that was. It wasn't as busy. I will send it to you over Facebook. It wasn't as busy, but definitely had more than one character on it. But this one, I... 
I don't know what to get away from it. Um, I don't know if it's supposed to mean something to technology because I don't see it. If it's supposed to be like, look, we're not going to be as dark as we were last season, so look at all the shining light. Because um, I know when The Flash had its darkest season, which was in season three, they... All the promotional material that came out for season four was like, we're back with the jokes and it's, you know, it's Flash Reborn and all those things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not a CW isn't known for overcompensating in their marketing. It, yeah, it's not it's not a great looking poster, in my opinion. But I guess, if anything, Lena Luthor does look like she well, she doesn't she's not completely, you know, off the shoulder. And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? Oh, good lord! You have to say the shoulder. I mean, it's it's close. So I guess at least there is that. I've I've zoomed in, and I cannot determine if her shoulders are free or if they're captured. No, I I think I think she her shoulders covered. Hmm. Morgan, Morgan, any thoughts? Let's see. Let's. I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> this, is great high, high this is great podcast version. As, yeah. As, 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 as zoom in. I'm zooming in on the photo, guys. I'm zooming. I'm zo- imagine in like one of those like CSI shows where I just like select a, a portion of the photo <laughs> and then it zooms like really close and it gets pixelated and then I have to wait for the computer well, the to only render. Di- enhance, enhance. The um, only difference though, the only difference though is that our show would actually be good compared to those CSI shows. <laughs> our show would be just as good as those CSI shows. Now <laughs> Okay, there's something I on have, her shoulder. I, They're covered. I am, They're covered. I am watching. Uh, I am looking at it. What you were seeing was the lens flare, <laughs> and Lena's just like her her permanent jaw de vive. But she does, in fact, have on a, a shoulder to that dress. <laughs> Rebecca, I, Rebecca, I think this will have to be the earliest bo- uh, boardroom or ballroom session in the entire Super <laughs> Radio history. I mean, it, it might be. Yeah, so we're, we're right to it. Right to the most important stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And this has been Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. Um, So even though that poster was not great, uh, there is some good news on the show front because Supergirl won Best Superhero Television Series at the Saturn Awards recently. So congratulations to the show and uh, the showrunners, Robert Rovner and Jessica Queller, and to Melissa Benoist, who was there to accept the award. That's very good for the show. Although I kind of wish the show had not won for season four, but maybe uh, I'll just think about it in terms of season four starting at like episode 15. <laughs> that's what won the Saturn Award. That's that's how I'm going to think about just it. Like, just starting from like when Miss um, Tessmacher like turned evil <laughs> yes oh so the season premiere is when james olsen got shot i wanted to make a really specific like um the oc what you say joke and i was like no one's oh gonna get this oh my god i love i no, no i would i would that song oh. it was stuck on my head for years I, uh, I i recently just showed my uh my fiance that um andy samberg skit from snl where they all shoot each other and and the song plays and he's like i don't i don't get it (laughs) (laughs) i was like it's funny because it's the oc (laughs) 
You you had to be there, I guess. You had to be there. Well, that is good for the show. So congratulations to them. That's very exciting. Good job, guys. <laughs> and uh, that is all of our news this week. We had to play a little Ooh. bit of catch up for <laughs> the news because we've been talking about the Rebirth comics here lately. So this is our chance to catch up on the news. All right. So we are going to be introduced to the character of uh, Malefic <laughs> in, the se- in the fifth season of Supergirl. So we're going to use this episode of Supergirl Radio to learn more about uh, John Jones's brother, sometimes maybe another character's brother, but we'll get into that. Uh, so just going to run down some of the comic information. There are so many names. <laughs> oh my God. This is going to be fun. Rebecca, go for it. <laughs> so, so many Martian names uh, that we're going to have to pronounce in this one. So uh, Malefic's full name is uh, Malefic Jones. And uh, sometimes in the comics, his name is spelled M-A-apostrophe-A-L-E-F-A-apostrophe-A-K. So there's that spelling. And then sometimes in the comics, it's spelled Malefic, uh, which is M-A-L-E-F-I-C. So depending on the writer and what the story is going for, it can change. Uh, Malefic is also an interesting character because he is uh, sometimes a green Martian, but depending on the story, sometimes depicted as a white Martian. Hmm. So it's basically just, you know, dealer's choice, writer's choice, however you want to spell spell it, however you want to pronounce it, wherever you want to put those like apostrophes in the name. (laughs) If you want to make him green, white, whatever you want to do, just uh, just uh, whatever whatever your story calls for. uh, Just go with that. Uh, But Malefic was created by John Ostrander and Tom Mandrake, and his first appearance was in Martian Manhunter number zero from October 1998. And we will discuss that first appearance. Uh, are he, uh, Malefic is actually from Mars. He is a Martian, so no matter if he's a green Martian or a white Martian, he is a Martian. Uh, he does have some notable relatives. Uh, <laughs> and Andy, do you want to talk about uh, Malefic's uh, relatives so that you can pronounce some names? Oh, that's how, that's how you're going to play it. Okay. Yeah, 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 let's do that. Okay, well, his brother is John Jones, uh, Martian Manhunter. Oh, Christ, we hit a father name. Okay, so then his father is Marin. His mother is, I almost said Sheen as in Charlie Sheen, but that's not it. Shasheen. And then his sister-in-law is Miria. And then, what? <laughs> his niece. Okay, hold on. His his niece's name is Kim with an H, but it's an apostrophe between the K and the H. Is it more like Kahim? Kahim. Kahim, Kar- Kahim, Kahim Kardashian. Kahim Kardashian. That you're, giving them, you're giving them ideas right now. <laughs> They're jotting that down. Ah, oh, Kahim. Yeah, so those are some good attempts at the name uh, of Kahim. Oh, can, well, can you, do, can you do it better? No, I, th- I think Kahim was right. Uh, okay, yeah, good. I think uh, ooh, the Mariah one would be tough. It'd be like, eh, mm, nope, I can't do it. I thought maybe mm- I could. Mariah Carey, (laughs) Charlie Shasheen, (laughs) Kim Kardashian. 
So those are uh, so those are just some of the relatives of uh, Malefic. A lot of Martian names involved. But hold, but hold on, why why stop there? Let's we can keep going. We also have his ancestor Jahiri Jones with <laughs> J apostrophe Ahiri. Do you have any more? Those are the only ones I listed. I'm looking through his uh, uh, family tree. Oh, that was that. Oh, that was the only one that was missing. Ah. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm glad we've gone through the Martian family tree. I feel like I, I know a lot more now. That's good. That's good. Uh, we still don't know really how to pronounce them, but we, we gave it our best shot. Um, so Malefic does have a lot of abilities, much like Martian Manhunter, superhuman strength, speed, dur- durability, endurance, uh, has a regenerative regenerative healing factor, flight and vulnerability, intangibility and phasing, invisibility, shape-shifting, telekinesis, uh, telepathy, Martian vision, and nine senses. So a lot of the same stuff that Martian Manhunter can do, uh, Malefic can do as well. This is a fascinating character. What is actually interesting about him is that in the beginning, when we first meet him, he actually did not have his telepathy or weakness towards fire because he was stripped of those those, um, aspects because this is... Trigger warning for people because this is this is a, this is a heavy one. But the, the, uh, he had his memory erased after he mind raped John's wife, uh, which is as dark as it sounds. Um, so hopefully that trigger warning was uh, appropriate. Uh, but he eventually does get his full, you know, all of those sides later on. Uh, you know, while he can, you know, he has his telepathy, he also does get uh, a weak against fire. So there's the, there's a pleasant downside. Yeah, he is a pretty bad character in a lot of these stories. Uh, he definitely, yeah, not great. He definitely lives up to his villain status. Uh, so let's talk about his first appearance in Martian Manhunter number zero from October 1998. Uh, this is a story titled Pilgrimage. And in this story, Martian Manhunter tells Superman the story of what happened to his people and how he arrived on Earth. He was the sole survivor of a telepathic plague called Haranmir's Curse, named for the Martian god of fire and death and art, which seems like a lot of things. Uh, the god of fire, not just the god of fire, but the god of fire and death and art. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, a plague of fire, this, uh, this curse attacked Martians via their, t- uh, telepathic abilities. Whenever a Martian attempted to use their psionic gifts or commune with the great mind, which is what they, uh, call being able to connect to each other, uh, they would fall victim to the curse and ultimately burn to death. With the exception of Malfex's brother, Jean and himself, uh, nearly all green Martians on the planet died as a result of Malefic's handiwork. Uh, uncool. Uh, for uh, centuries, Malefic continued to live in the ruins of Mars, unaware that his brother had survived the plague and had been transported through space and time to the planet Earth. So in Martian Manhunter number zero, when Jean goes to the uh, what they call the Central Power Cathedral on Mars uh, within the volcano known as Olympic Mons, which is a weird name for a volcano, but that's what it's called, uh, which held all of the Martian geothermic thermal power. He becomes the target of a priest slash scientist on the, of the station named Malefic. So Malefic in this story is a priest slash scientist. 
turns turns out that Malefic, the only Martian without uh, telepathy and the only Im- uh, only Martian immune to fire, he created the virus that killed off all of his fellow Martians except for Jean. When Jean discovers that Malefic is responsible for his family's deaths, he tries to kill Malefic. It uh, wasn't one-sided, though. Malefic wanted to kill Jean too so they were really going at each other there's a panel where uh, you know martian manhunter is trying to squeeze the life out of uh malefic by the neck it's pretty intense they have a skirmish and martian manhunter believes that malefic was buried beneath the rubble of his temple so that's basically uh his first appearance Mm. is that they uh they come to blows because martian manhunter thinks that malefic killed his family and uh they have a fight and uh, Malefic uh, seemingly seemingly is buried beneath uh, some rubble. So that is a, a pretty intense first appearance for the character. And it should be noted that in the first appearance, his name is spelled M-A-apostrophe-A-L-E-F-A-apostrophe-A-K. So that is the original spelling of the name of Malefic. No, you're ABCs, kids. Um. I mean, this is that's quite a start to his like to his comics career. He's like he kills everybody in his first appearance. It's a it's a pretty big uh, villain uh, show out for him. He uh, you know, a lot of villains have to work up to it, uh, but he comes right out of the gate being really terrible. He's like, go big or go home. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, and he I guess he kind of well, I don't know if he did go home, but uh, he did. <laughs> He did find a home, I guess, and uh, buried beneath some rubble. Uh, so that was his first appearance. So in some other significant stories, he's not in a ton of stuff in the comics, uh, but he is in, uh, so we can start talking about Martian Manhunter number three from December 1998. In this story is someone who looks like Martian Manhunter's human form of Jean, of, I almost said Jean, but this one is John Jones, uh, the human form of John Jones, shows up to speak with a woman named Karen Smith, who is a woman John shares a detective office with. The John Jones uses what looks like heat beams, or, you know, some people might say heat vision, and he kills her. So someone comes along, looks like John Jones, kills this woman. Uh, So it's really creepy the way it's drawn. Uh, John Jones is sort of in the shadows, red eye beams, very scary. So that is uh, Martian Manhunter number three. So in Martian Manhunter number four from January 1999, uh, we get to to see some familiar faces to Supergirl Radio, at least. Uh, So Cameron Chase is in this one. Get ready, Morgan. You know who's coming when Cameron Chase is around. Oh, so yeah. Just, I'm, just, I'm just preparing you for what's coming. So in Martian Manhunter number four, Cameron Chase of the DEO joins in the investigation to find out who killed this woman, Karen, uh, because they know that Karen is dead. She's been murdered. So Cameron Chase is trying to figure out who murdered her. So uh, when Jean follows a lead on the character uh, called Jem, who we actually met in Supergirl season one in Human for a Day, uh, Jean interacts with who he believes is Wonder Woman, but she shapeshifts into a scary-looking green Martian. So we know someone is uh, shapeshifting into people, 
and doing some bad things. So we're kind of getting more of this mystery of, you know, uh, who has killed this woman. Um, and there's a, a really great set of panels where it does start with Wonder Woman and then it slowly shifts into a green Martian who looks like Martian Manhunter. So there's this playing up of the fact that, oh my gosh, is Martian Manhunter really to blame for this woman, this this Karen woman's death? Um, so we we do get this uh, a slow reveal of uh, a Martian who is who is up to no good. <coughs> then in Martian Manhunter number five from February 1999, a witness named Mr. Cartha tells Cameron Chase that someone who looks like Martian Manhunter ripped out the heart of a man named Gomes, I guess is how to pronounce it, G-O-M-Z, and then used his eye lasers on him. When Cameron Chase is discussing the case with a DEO agent named Tully, uh, Tully reveals himself to be Martian Manhunter. This is the thing about the uh, the Martians. They just uh, shapeshift and you never know who's who's coming up. Like it just you could be talking to somebody you think is somebody and then it turns out to be Martian Manhunter. That would really freak me out. Um, but so Cameron Chase is talking to who she thinks is this agent Tully and it turns out to be Martian Manhunter. So he explains to Cameron Chase that he didn't actually kill this man named Gomes, but rather he stopped what was intended to be biological terrorism. Martian Manhunter actually phased his hands into Gomes's chest, yanked out this thing called the Ebola incubator that was set to explode, and he cauterized the, the wound with his heat vision. So all that stuff that made it look like he was a murderer was actually him trying to save this man's life. And all of this was to prevent an act of terrorism by a group known as the Covenant of the Spear of Uliel. So it's very, very complicated. Um, but basically, we have uh, just to sum up Martian Manhunter. He's trying to save this man's life. And then he's trying to also explain what's been going on to Cameron Chase. Uh, so the, it's a good uh, set of panels there where um, Agent Tully actually turns into Martian Manhunter. She's so surprised, too. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you be if you were driving yeah. along talking to somebody? And then... it, seems, it seems like a risk to do that while you're driving, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> you think he would have known by now. Like, the, like don't shapeshift when someone's driving or when somebody's, like, maybe holding, like, a giant knife or something. <laughs> Yeah, she could easily, I mean, she's not holding onto the steering wheel. She's not holding the steering wheel anymore. She could have easily crashed that car. I mean, not cool, Martian Manhunter. She, I mean, that could have turned the car over. It could, she could have gone in, you know, like a 360. Yeah, it could have been bad. So I, I guess she's okay. She lived through it. No big deal. But that would freak, freak somebody out. So in Martian Manhunter number six from March 1999, Cameron Chase uh, interacts with uh, Supergirl Radio uh, fan favorite Director Bones. Uh, she takes Director Bones the evidence clearing Jean of Karen's murder. But surprise, surprise, uh, Director Bones, he is not convinced by this evidence. He needs a little something more. Uh, so in these panels, Morgan, what do you think about the... Because we've seen Director Bones in several comic book iterations now. What do you think about his his appearance here in these panels? So I must say, his suit doesn't look as well-tailored as it mm. usually is. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed with that. Like, it looks a little boxy. I'm going to be honest. It looks a little boxy. He's not bringing his A-game to this, I don't think. Uh, however, he is wearing one of those, like... Um, headphones with like the little microphones which is like what I'm wearing right now to 
record this podcast. <laughs> so I feel like on some level, uh, Director Bones and I have really bonded. <laughs> <laughs> As usual, he's smoking. Uh, I don't think that that's good for him, but he doesn't have lungs. So I guess go go for it. <laughs> well, I think he has lungs, but they're invisible. That's right. They are invisible. So the so very so very much not good for him. <laughs> so I would say, Director Bones, uh, go to a tailor, get that suit taken in because it's got some pinstripes. It's pretty sharp, but it's just too big for you. <laughs> your your bones, and then stop smoking. It's just not good for you get like a nicotine patch that you would just be able to see on one of your bones <laughs> i wonder if he has the headset microphone because of the cyanide sweat can he hold a, a telephone receiver <laughs> that's a good that is a good question i didn't think of that i i kind of want like a day in the life of director bones like early on in his in his career before he realized like what he can and can't do with the cyanide sweat when he's just like melting everything <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what the effect of cyanide would be on uh, a, a telephone. Uh, so that's that's a good question. Probably not great. I, I I agree about his suit though. He normally has uh, a, a nice tie, maybe a tie with a star on it or something like that. Uh, but this is just kind of a plain old black tie. So it is a little disappointing. He doesn't have his usual flair uh, to his suit. So this was this was a while ago. So this is back in the 90s. So I, I guess it took him a while to really develop his sense of style. Um, so uh, Director Bones is not convinced that Martian Manhunter is cleared of the murder of Karen. So uh, Bones has reason to be suspicious because when the Justice League, uh, made up of Steel, Huntress, and Aquaman specifically, when they go to investigate John, they find someone who looks like him experimenting on humans. It's revealed that whoever this Martian Manhunter lookalike is, he's trying to get revenge by making John's friends hate him. And ultimately, this lookalike wants Jean dead. So this is where we are in the story. Andy, do you have any thoughts about how uh, this this Martian Manhunter lookalike is causing all sorts of problems for Jean? So such a petty dude. <laughs> I I mean, okay, listen. I mean, look, the, the whole kill, genocide thing at Mars that that's horrible. Trust me. But good lord, like. I've seen teenagers who behave better than than, than this supposedly grown being. Um, like, <laughs> that's kind of what drew me a little bit to the character of Malefic to begin with, because he is just so... Like, he's he's just nuts. Like, there, there's no reasoning behind why he hates John so much or why he's doing what he's doing. He's just... I mean, he he's the black sheep in the family. So, I... It's a lot. It's a lot to take in these six first issues uh, when you just get introduced to him because they, you know, like Rebecca. I think one of you guys said it a few minutes ago that they usually, you know, you build up to you know a villain's first, uh, you know, big act or whatnot and so on. But no, Malfa couldn't care less. He just goes for it. Yeah, the 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 first appearance, he he really comes out pretty strong. This this uh this little storyline, it does build up somewhat, but he's. Like, right out of the gate, he kills a woman, uh, makes it look like uh, John Jones did it. Then he is uh, doing some some bad things to uh, this this guy named... Well, it, he he's doing things to make it look like 
Martian Manhunter is to blame. So he's trying to frame Jean for all these these bad things that are going on. And he's doing a pretty good job because even Director Bones is like, I kind of think he still did it. Um, so there, I, I think that's what's really creepy about uh, Malefic in, in these stories is that he's doing what he's doing to to frame Jean. Um, so I guess we could continue on to figure out how this ends. So in Martian Manhunter number nine in June 1999, uh, Malefic, uh, spelled M-A-L-E-F-I-C at this point in the comics, shapeshifts as Superman to take down Big Barda and Orion in the Watchtower. He also poses as Plastic Man, which is a really funny image uh you have to take a look at it uh and i think he's doing this to attack huntress and these interactions convince the justice league that jean didn't do the things that they thought he did um that it it actually turns out surprise surprise malefic was the one who was doing all of this um and in this uh issue jean and malefic go to the ancient martian city of zaanzaor to battle it out so um this is a good issue because this is actually when the Justice League finally realizes, hey, actually, uh, someone is impersonating uh, Martian Manhunter and we have got to stop him. So this is this is quite the visual feast uh, because the <laughs> the plastic man thing really is very creepy. It's a little disturbing. That one's going <laughs> to that one's going to haunt me for a while. <laughs> uh, enjoy those in your nightmares later on. Uh, so that is pretty creepy. Uh, it also turns out that uh, the, there's the question uh, in the issue that uh, the issue poses that is, is Jean going to play judge and jury uh, with Malefic? Um, because that's what he's been doing. But also, will he be the executioner? We saw that in the first appearance, uh, Jean was willing to kill Malefic. Um, so this time around, um, there is that question is how, how is Martian Manhunter going to handle this situation. So Jean sets a trap for Malefic. He restores all of Malefic's uh, Martian mental abilities and memories. And he does this, even though this sounds like a dumb idea on Jean's part, this actually gives Malefic powers. And uh, the smart thing about this plan is that it also restores Malefic's weaknesses too. So with this plan in place, Jean exposes Malefic to fire because that is the Martian weakness. So, because he uh, can now be exposed to fire and he has a weakness, uh, uh, with Jean and Malefic both in danger from the fire, uh, Superman actually swoops in to save the day, but he can only save one of them. So, guess which one he chooses to save? Not Kelly. Oh, you had to go there because it, it is a very similar situation where uh, only, only um, a certain amount can be saved. Uh, but Superman does choose to save Jean. So, that is how that, um, that story ends in terms of Malefic's character. He comes in. He tries to frame Martian Manhunter for all these bad things. The Justice League finally realize that Martian Manhunter is not to blame. And they uh, they um, trick Malefic to getting his powers back so that he can have a weakness. And uh, that is how that goes down with Superman only able to save Jean. So it's actually a really um, a good story in terms of the storytelling. It kind of... Uh, 
teases it out issue by issue, kind of revealing Malefic as it goes. So uh, I highly recommend it. If anything, just to see what Director Bones looked like in the late 90s. Uh, it's a <laughs> it's a pretty good read. Um, so the next story we're going to talk about is Batman the Brave and the Bold, number 18 from June 2010. And in this story... A white Martian and brother of Martian Manhunter named General Malefic has recently crashed on Earth. Even though he was captured, imprisoned, and interrogated by the military, Batman tells us that he is now free and the entire world uh, is in some danger because of it. Uh, so, so that's where we are. Um, uh, Malefic, General Malefic is free. Uh, Martian Manhunter tries to convince General Malefic to live in peace with the humans, but Malefic has another plan in mind, and that is to turn Earth into Mars. With Earth and all of its resources at his disposal, he has the goal to, quote, spread across the cosmos like a plague, unquote, and enslave all who stand in his way. While attempting to boost his psychic power so he can uh, resurrect the Martian race, Malefic, uh, I should mention that it is spelled M-A-apostrophe-A-L-E-F-A-apostrophe-A-K in case anyone was wondering, uh, Malefic suffers a meltdown and appears to disintegrate. Uh, but even though he appears to disintegrate, that doesn't actually mean he had disintegrated. So uh, instead, instead he he didn't uh, disintegrate. So instead, he was taken. He has taken up residence in Batman's mind, and he has taken Uh-oh. over his body. And when Doctor Fate slams the helmet of fate on Batman's head, Batman faces Malefic in the mental plane. So does anyone have any thoughts about the the twist in this story? He can he can just kind of like bounce into people's minds. He can disintegrate and then just be like, I'm in your brain now. Yeah, apparently that is a thing that he can do. Uh, And this story ends, uh, so Batman and uh, General Malefic are in the mental plane, and the story ends with the helmet of fate, Dr. Fate's helmet, uh, severing Malefic's mental control over Batman and Malefic's mental essence going into the orb of fate. Uh, Dr. Fate has a lot of... Uh, things with the word fate in them. Uh, mm. I guess that's how you know it's his stuff. <laughs> he he just writes his name all over everything, like in Sharpie. Dr. Fate. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, he puts of of fate at the of end fate. of everything. Helmet <laughs> of fate. <laughs> Orb of fate. Orb of fate. I'm like, oh my God, we get it. No one wants to take your dumb orb anyway. <laughs> so so the uh, mental control over Batman Malefic's mental essence uh, goes into the Orb of Fate, which acts as a simulation of Mars that is both a prison and a reward for Malefic. So he ends up... Uh, he was free at the beginning of the story, and then he gets imprisoned uh, by the end of it. Uh, so that's Batman the Brave and the Bold, number 18. I love the art for Batman the Brave and the Bold. I think it's really unique and very distinctive, um, and I love the way this is drawn. Uh, it's It it really uh, harkens back to the Batman the Brave and the Bold animated series, so if you like that show, I would highly uh, recommend giving this a read because it's it's very good. Um, and uh, so this is this is Malefic as a white Martian. He's a general in this one. Um, so that is how that story goes down. <clears throat> then uh, the next one we'll hit is Martian Manhunter number three from August 2015. This is from The New 52 in a story titled Different Worlds. 
and Malefic, this time spelled M A apostrophe A L E F A apostrophe A K, dabbles in Martian blood magic. Uh, which I didn't know was a thing until the story, but it apparently <laughs> is. Uh, dabbles in Martian blood magic to create a man-eater monster and is looking forward to what is called the Red Rising, which uh, the goal of the Red Rising is uh, to restore Mars. Uh, so let's go into uh, animated television uh, voiced by actor Benjamin Diskin. Uh, Malefic shows up in Young Justice Season 3 in the episode titled Away Mission. On this series, Malefic, uh, which I believe, if I made my notes correctly, pronounced <laughs> on the show as Maalafaak. So that's a different pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, so you have Malefic, uh, you have Malefic, and then you have Maalafaak, which I think <laughs> is actually a way more fun way to pronounce it. Um, is a uh, in this one, he is a white Martian and is known as Makam Moors. That's how you pronounce it. Macomb Moore's spelled M apostrophe. I feel like I'm just spelling a lot of things in this episode of Supergirl Radio. <laughs> right. But I want people to understand how this is spelled. M apostrophe C-O-M-M and then M uh, apostrophe O-R-Z-Z. Uh, so Mal- Maalafak is a white Martian and is known as Macomb Moore's, the younger brother of Magan. Uh, while Magan has been off playing hero with Jean on Earth, Ma'alafa'ak has been dealing with the uh, the Reds and Greens oppro- op- uh, oppressing the White Martians on Mars. To combat them, Magan's brother has adopted the Ma'alafa'ak, which is a rabid beast that scares the Green Martians as a symbol. He also shapeshifts into Orion because if he do, uh, if he does some favors on New Genesis, he'll get help for the White Revolution on Mars. He operates out of the ends justify the means mentality with an emphasis on righteous anger. And uh, let's see, the story ends when uh, Magan turns down Maalafaak's invite to join him in his revolution. They fight and Magan reminds him that he can't win through hate. The show provides flashbacks of when they were both younger and facing facing harsh treatment from the Green Martians. Magan defended them then, but Maalafaak says that a war is not won on defense. Magan tells Maalafaak that she has chosen love over anger. When she shows him all the people she cares for, he tells her that her love makes her weak and easy to hurt. Uh, Morgan, do you have any thoughts on um, the the fact that... In this iteration of Ma'alafak, I'm going to keep saying it because it is a lot of fun to say, um, that he is not Jean's brother. He's actually Magan's brother. Do you have any thoughts on the the differences there? It it sort of takes away that connection to Jean, certainly. Um, I don't know. It's really interesting. I I was also surprised that they they had the... um, the red, I guess, red and green Martians um, oppressing the white Martians in this version of the story because we've seen the opposite on Supergirl. Yes, normally the white Martians are the aggressors against the green Martians. So, yeah, that is a different, uh, that's a good call. It, it is a different storytelling approach there. Um, I also think the the unique part about this iteration is that they explain uh the 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 malafaak name that it it comes from a a beast that actually um put it's kind of like 
he it's almost like Batman, like he adopts the the symbol of the the beast to put the fear into the Green Martians. Um, so I actually. I, I think it's a little strange for me, at least, to get used to the idea that he would be Magan's brother, um, it, just because I'm so used to it, him being Jean's brother. But uh, I like the idea that there is a backstory for why he is named what he is named, uh, especially since uh, I have a tendency to focus on the the Martian names, <laughs> how they're spelled, how they're pronounced. Um, at least here we get... Uh, uh, information about why he is named what he is named um and i do think there is some really um there are some emotional scenes between magan and ma'alafak in this episode and it's really beautiful and it's really well done so i highly recommend watching uh, away mission in young justice uh morgan do you want to take us into uh, animated film so you can pronounce that name sure um ma'alafak did, did, was I close? I think this one is. Is that how Mala, it's pronounced in this one? Mala. Mala. Ak. Mala. Mala. Oh my Ak? God. I, I tried. I tried to do it. I tried to write it down phonetically. Uh, so I think that's a good. That's a good try. All right. So Malafak, uh also appeared in an animated film titled uh, Justice League Doom. In this movie, he's voiced by Carl Lumley, and he, along with Bane, Star Sapphire, Metallo. Mirror Master and Cheetah are hired by Vandal Savage to kill their respective arch nemesis Sis in the Justice League. <laughs> uh, for his part in this villainous plan, Malafak <laughs> disguises himself as an attractive human woman and poisons Martian Manhunter with magnesium. This encounter with the poison causes Jean to grow weak and eventually turn into Martian Manhunter to the surprise of others in the restaurant they're in. <laughs> it's kind of brutal. Um, <laughs> With Martian Manhunter Week on the floor, Malafak ignores a lighter and it throws ignites. it. Uh, ignites a lighter that makes Ignore, more sense than just he just ignore he ignores it. <laughs> the most deadly form of uh, of battle, ignoring something. <laughs> uh, he ignites a lighter and throws it on John, causing him great pain, as um, being set on fire usually does. <laughs> right. Um, then there then there are some photos of um, of this woman turning into. Malafak, <laughs> uh, that are pretty disturbing. It's like a, it's like a really creepy time lapse. It reminds me of those old animorph books where, like, <laughs> the person turns into a hawk <laughs> on the cover of the book. <laughs> um, in the final fight with the Justice League versus the Legion of Doom, Malafak and Martian Manhunter assume the form of various alien animals to fight until Martian Manhunter leaves Malafak to die in the fires of a missile, which serves as a good callback to the Martian weakness and how Malafak had tried to hurt Jean earlier in the film. Um, okay. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm going to go back because this is a long sentence and just make sure I understand this correctly. So they fight... They take the form of various alien animals, so yes. we're not really sure which one. Just, just a, just a lot of weird aliens. I'm gonna think like a weird, evil alien otter, mm. and like maybe like an evil meerkat, mm. and then they fight <laughs> until Martian Manhunter leaves Malafak to die. I'm sorry, to die in the fires of a missile. Where what? 
<laughs> yeah. So, so a, a missile uh, has some, you know, Where fire that come from. <laughs> well, there's there's missiles and stuff. There's just story. some missiles. <laughs> That's a really convenient. Like, I mean, I I just have to say, like, listen, I don't think Malafak is a good guy. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that he threw a lighter on Jean, <laughs> and then Jean threw him into a missile. <laughs> so there was some escalation between those two things. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy there was there was drama there was some drama a, a lot of these stories with Martian Manhunter and Malefic seem to end with Malefic sort of dying in some kind of rubble uh, somehow dying <laughs> because of fire uh, things do not end well for Malefic in a lot of these stories and that is the case in Justice League Doom uh, I was curious uh, Morgan and Andy, what you thought about the way he's he's drawn in this animated film? His costume has this collar that covers up <laughs> uh, a good portion of uh, his face. Uh, anyone have any thoughts on that? I have a lot of thoughts on this costume <laughs> um, because my main question, and I'm I'm not you know critiquing his fashion style. I'm not trying to. But if you're, are you hot or are you cold? Because he's wearing what I consider the most extreme turtleneck I've ever seen. It comes up to his upper lip. But then it appears as if it's a half shirt and his like chest area is just exposed. So I can understand like you've been working hard on your fitness and you get that six pack and you want to show it off. But also your chin is chilly. It's very confusing. Uh, yeah, I, I think describing it as a turtleneck is, is pretty good. It's a, it's an aggressive turtleneck. Also, why the chains? Why the chains? What purpose do the chains serve? There's just these two chains. They're like in this sort of. They come out of this sort of like grommet situation up on that like upper upper body neck sweater, and then they just kind of wrap around his body, and then I don't. That's it. What what purpose do they serve? I guess they're decorative. Like instead, like maybe instead of wearing like a giant chain necklace, and he's like, "That's tacky." Also, again, my neck is so cold. So that's sort of how he decorates. Like that's his version of a, like a necklace. Did Morgan just invent the boardroom ball for Martians? Like Martian, <laughs> Martian or Manhunter? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point about the uh, the chains. They don't seem when when you get a. A good wide shot, at least, <laughs> uh, to see where the, the chains don't really seem to go anywhere. They don't really serve any kind of purpose. I will say it also bothers me that they both wrap over to the left or the right, whichever. I don't know I'm what area his, I'm on. His, his right, what we're looking at, is the left. <laughs> his right, my left. Um, instead of, why don't they just both wrap around? like either side like it just doesn't make it doesn't make none of it makes sense <laughs> uh, so yeah uh I, I i think the uh the inclusion of him is great in justice league doom uh, i'm glad that he was featured among some other uh great villains in the dc universe but the costume is very strange and so i think our last deep dive into Malfack <laughs> is uh, <laughs> I'm going to whisper it every time I have to say it, is on Supergirl. So all of that leads us to Malefic on Supergirl. In season five, uh, many different actors will be playing Malefic. Uh, Robert Rovner spoke about Jean's brother saying, what's fun about 
Mal. Wait, wait, what? They gave him a fun nickname already? He's not even on the show. <laughs> I think they are just trying to shorten it. They don't so want to say it. They, they don't want to say, say it either. Because you know what? I bet you they all say it differently. <laughs> I bet they do. I bet they have not come to a conclusion on how to say it properly. So they just said, just call him Mal. We're just going to call him Mal. Um, <laughs> what's fun about our pal Mal is that since he's a shapeshifter, um, he will shapeshift in every episode that he's in. And Phil Lamar will only voice the Martian version of him. So we won't have a regular actor that embodies Mal. Whenever we see him human, it'll be different. Uh, what I just heard is we don't really feel like hiring w- just one actor to play this part. What if we just had it be everyone? Which I think is a cool way to do it because we have seen in that story where uh, Malfec uh, pretends to be Superman and Plastic Man and Wonder Woman. Uh, he does have a history of sort of jumping into uh, different forms. So I think that is true to his character. Um, Andy, do you have any thoughts about how uh, Mal will be portrayed on Supergirl? I can picture it. The, he will, you know, look, make it, he will, he will pose as John and, and to really screw with, not just with John, but also with you two is that he will tell Alex and Cara to, you know, join me for dinner tonight to, because I'm finally telling you the secrets that I've been waiting for two <gasps> years. And then, and then, and then they go dun, to dinner. Dun, dun. And John is like, you told me to meet me here? He's like, yeah, you had a secret to tell us. And he's like, what secret? And and then the next day, John says, oh, I was just kidding. But it's not really John. It's actually Malifact who is in disguise saying, I was just kidding last night. Meet me, t- meet me today for lunch and I will finally tell you the secret. And then the circle goes on and on and on. That is a cruel joke. Whoa, that'd be so mean. <laughs> Find me at Adabite, I'm free fire. <laughs> but that actually would be kind of great if he pretended uh, to be Jean uh, to fake like he was going to tell this, the big secret. What What if he was going to reveal the secret and then he died, died in a fire, uh, a, a fire coming from a missile? Uh, I could see that also happening. And John going, oh, I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't mean to put a, put a missile right here. <laughs> <laughs> I, that just that missile crept up on us. I don't know how that happened. It was just double. It was just double parked. I was just doing my civil civilian duty to move it out of the dark, double parking and just put it somewhere where it wouldn't bother anyone. How would I know he was there? Uh, yeah, I don't think things are going to end well for Mal, uh, whether it uh, is uh, something related to Leviathan or Crisis or uh, missile fires, uh, whatever it is, I don't think things will end well for him. But this this does seem like a, a, a fairly character-correct uh, way to go about him because uh, Malfec does have a uh, history of jumping into other forms so i I think that'll that'll be a cool way to do it but (laughs) i do think morgan you're you're right to a degree that i i do think it's a it's a way to cheaply do this character (laughs) uh (laughs) especially since uh we we don't even get to see jean as martian manhunter very much and i i wonder if that's also a special effects related issue kind of the same way we like never see brainy as brainy we always see him in his like civilian uh disguise because they're like we just can't afford this much blue paint <laughs> so <laughs> i do wonder how much we'll actually be seeing malefic in the martian uh in the martian form versus just as random 
people. Or instead of random people, just bring in every small actor who's like in that one episode. It's John Glover. In one episode, it is uh, no, not her. Never mind. Oh, uh, she's uh, kind of she's kind of busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> That, that could have gone so right. One episode, he's Tom Welling. One episode, he's Eric Durant. Somehow not Alora. In one episode, he could be Michael Rosenbaum. In one episode, he could be uh, Kristen Crook. Uh, in one episode, he could be uh, Justin Hartley. There, there's so many people. Well, and that's a good point because he could pretend to be Kara. He could pretend to be Lena. He could pretend to be all these people. Yeah. That could be, I think that would be really fun for the actors we've seen Melissa have to play Jean before those kinds of things. So I, I think that, that that's always really fun to see on the show. Um, so I do think that because of the Martian Manhunter effects uh, situation, I don't think we would be able to have two Martian Manhunters on the show. <laughs> so I guess this is a good way to bring uh, our pal Mal onto the show and still have it be affordable <laughs> for them. But let's remember one thing. Let's remember one thing, though. As as any TV show goes on, every season there are budget cuts. And remember, this season, these people, not just on Super Bowl, but all the shows, are saving so much for this crisis crossover that, you know, I, if it means that we don't get to see too much at the same time, you know what? I can deal with it. Um. You know, and also maybe maybe they're you know prioritizing the hundred episode of Super Bowl as well because, you know, they're probably you know trying to save some of that money for some some guest stars and who knows what else. So, for me, like it's not a disappointment that we. I mean, we're probably gonna see him in in Martian form at some point, but it's probably just gonna be some stunt double that will just go through motion captures or whatnot. Um. So obviously, you know, David Harris will have someone physically in front of him. It's not he would just talk to himself and then just, you know, find someone in the air. Um, I'm, again, really excited that this character is finally coming in because I know how dedicated David Harewood has been to the Martian Manhunter mythology. You know, every time I talk to him at Comic-Con and stuff like that, he is just, you know, he's he's bringing up all these suggestions of what he wants to do. He brought up um, Malefic like two, two Comic-Cons ago. And I'm like, ooh, does this mean that it will show up? And then, you know, two years later, that's when it actually happened. If they have to cut a little bit on Malefex effects so that we can, <laughs> um, so that we can have more for Christ. Mal, Mal, how would you spell that? Mal, it would have to be F X. Mal, at the end. and then like dash effects. <laughs> no, it had to be an apostrophe. Ah, yes, of course it would. Maybe M A L. Apostrophe FX. Guys, I'm really sort of getting a headache of all these pronouncements. Can we just get on with it? I don't have any aspirin in front of me. <laughs> but anyway, so I do think if they had to cut back on this, I'd rather them save stuff for Crisis. Um, but I, I think they've got a good plan for um, for introducing Mal in season five. What's exciting about it is that, you know, one I think uh, one of the showrunners said in an interview with TV Insider, right by Comic Con, saying that. Malefic is the gauntlet John needs to go through before he's ready to face Crisis. So there's a bigger purpose besides just giving John, you know, this big storyline. Yeah, I think that's that's interesting that it's somehow connected to Crisis. I think a lot of the first half of the season is probably. It sounds like a lot of stuff is going to be connected to Crisis. Well, it's not just it's not just um, Super Bowl. Like we're on over on the Flash, we're dealing with the same thing. Arrow is the, its final season is literally setting up Crisis, and then Batwoman will have fun uh, setting up her show, and 
legends are good at legends, I guess. I don't know. Um, so <laughs> I don't know what the hell they're doing because like their their premiere is Crisis, but it's not. The, yeah, it's, it's gonna the, be weird. <laughs> like like the ep- was it what was it the episodes that come after five hundred one will be like before Crisis. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be real strange. I'm not really sure what they're doing. I don't really think they do know what they're doing. It's possible. Anything's possible on Legends. That seems like it sort of lines up with the Legends. It does. It does. Well, we, well this season is worth because of the news. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess you'll have to listen to the Legends of Tomorrow podcast to find out what that's all about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> on a scale from one to five, Morgan, how angry were you all on air about this? <laughs> um, I don't think we were super angry. We were more like puzzled we were more like just really puzzled we were like what's what's happening so uh that's a good question for the legends of tomorrow podcast what's the email the legends podcast at gmail.com i'm almost positive <laughs> no it, no it, it is it is <laughs> if you have a question about uh crisis and the legends of uh, tomorrow crew and how they're going to uh play a part in crisis Definitely email the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. Um, but yeah, so I think that's going to do it for our discussion on Malfek or Ma'ala Fa'ak or Mal, however you want to pronounce his name, <laughs> however you want to spell it. Uh, I think that's going to kind of do it for our introduction to this character and learning more about what he is about, how he's been uh, interpreted and written over the years. Uh, but before we wrap up, we have some Martian-related snap judgment. So it's our first snap judgment uh, leading into season five. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. The first one is uh, Malefic shapeshifting into Plastic Man or uh, Malefic as an evil Batman. Andy, which one do you prefer? Bat- evil Batman. Good choice. Uh, Morgan, uh, what is your pick? Uh, shapeshifting into Plastic Man or uh, being an evil Batman? I can't look away from the image of Plastic Man <laughs> and... Uh, I'm upset about it. So I'm gonna go with Plastic Man because he seems like he'd be like a really great, um, like horror movie villain. And it's almost and it's it's getting to be fall. It's almost Halloween time. <laughs> I'd, I'd watch the Malefic Plastic Man movie. I appreciate that the Malefic uh, uh, Plastic Man has uh, still has his boots on. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to leave those at home because those boots are made for walking. <laughs> I, I, I guess so uh, because he doesn't really have any other clothes on except for those boots. Uh, I love the Batman Brave and the Bold. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, but I'm going to go uh, Malefic shapeshifting into Plastic Man because it is uh, something I've never seen before until I read that comic. So that is pretty crazy. All right, so second snap judgment. Which interpretation of Mal- Malefic do you uh, prefer? Uh, him being Jean's brother or him being the younger brother of Magan? Andy, which one would you pick? John's brother. All right, Morgan, which one would you pick? John's brother also. I think we're going to go three for three. I think John's brother gives him a little more gravitas. They have a little bit more of a connection. Uh, so I would go John's brother. Okay, so last snap judgment. Really important. Uh, the most important question of the episode. 
Which spelling do you prefer? <laughs> uh, M-A apostrophe A-L-E F-A apostrophe A-K or M-A-L-E-F-I-C? Andy, if you had to write that name a thousand times, which one would you prefer? I mean, obviously Maleficent. Not Maleficent. I meant Maleficent. Maleficent. <laughs> It's close. It almost is Maleficent. Why would I think of Maleficent? Malefic, of course, because I I don't want to sound like I'm having a stroke every time I'm trying to pronounce his name. You guys, I'm going to have a migraine going to bed now because, like, all I'm going to hear is Rebecca's apostrophe. (laughs) (laughs) So you would rather keep it simple with the M-A-L-E-F-I-C. Give me a complicated character, but just give me a simple name. I, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, Morgan, which one would you rather write down? Uh, I mean, I think obviously every everybody would rather d- write down Malefic, but I I like all the apostrophes, so I'm gonna go <laughs> go with. I can't even. I forgot how to pronounce it again. I think you can go with Malefic, or uh, the pronunciation that I really enjoy is the Maalefic. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to go with the apostrophes uh, just because I, I feel like, you know, that is the first one that he appeared in. And uh, that's I, I think that is uh, that should re- be respected. Apostrophes and Martians go hand in hand. No judgments on your snap judgments. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our character spotlight on Maalafak. Uh, thank you, Andy, for coming back on Supergirl Radio and sharing your knowledge about this uh, member of the Martian Manhunter family. You've become kind of our our Martian Manhunter, our, our green Martian, our Martian go-to for these uh, <laughs> character spotlights. So thank you for jumping back in uh, for another uh, Martian uh, episode. Happy to do it. Uh, where can our listeners find you on the internet? Drawing all my walls with apostrophes for the rest of the night. Uh, <laughs> they can find me. <laughs> good lord! Uh, they can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at and back. If they want to hear me podcast some more DC TV stuff, I co-host the Flash podcast as well as the Titans slash Doom Patrol podcast. So go to theflashpodcast.com, titanspodcast.com. If they want to find me. Writing wise, I am right now doing lots of things for Screen Rant and. Uh, if you love love all things Marvel, theballport.com is the place to go to. Awesome. So lots of ways to catch up with Andy. Um, if you want to catch up with Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can tell us what your preferred pronunciation <laughs> of uh, the name is. Uh, but make sure to do that before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. Uh, just note that if you've been listening to Supergirl Radio Rebirth this summer, we've been posting some uh, choice panels from those comics that we've been talking about. So definitely check out our Instagram for those exclusive images. If you would uh, like to listen to us, uh, you can do that on Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. We also have a Spotify musical playlist that features music uh, from the show and inspired by the show. You can also check us out on Radio Public and Podchaser. We are also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. We are also available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. 
And if that seems like a lot of stuff, which it is, uh, you can find all the links to everything I just mentioned on the right side of the page at supergirlradio.com. And now we throw it over to Mark for the DCTV plugs. Supergirl Radio is part of the DCTV podcast network. So if you like Arrow, The Flash, still not as fast as Kara, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, Batwoman, or classic DCTV shows, or the upcoming Swamp Thing and Stargirl shows, you can subscribe to the Mega Feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow at DCTV Podcasts on Twitter and like DCTV Podcasts on Facebook. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid and Instagram at TheDerbyKid. You can watch videos of mine at YouTube.com slash DuckMilkPride. I'm kind of behind on my videos, but you can check out all of my previous work there. I am also a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find over at JLUniverse.Podomatic.com. And if you want to hear me attempt some voice acting, you can subscribe to a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakest, and that's Fakest with an I. And I just recorded the, uh, I think it's the last two episodes of season two. Lots of, um, you know how uh, voice actors like to talk about how they have to do like grunts and uh, action piece, you know, they have to uh, (laughs) kind of do uh, sound effects for things when they get hit or they're they're in some sort of fight or something. I had to do a lot of that for the last <laughs> uh, two episodes of The Fakest. So it's, a lot, it's very action-packed. A lot of crazy things are going on uh, at KCOM Studios. So definitely check that out. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mojotastic. You can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which we finally released an episode. I've only been saying it all summer, but we did it. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> we, I, I, will, I will let you all know, although this is not legally binding in any way, we do have something on the calendar to record <laughs> this month. And probably it'll happen. So that means another new episode will be coming probably towards the end of the month. And then we're going to try our hardest to get on a more consistent monthly schedule. I think we only really um, skipped August. It's just that um, (laughs) Supergirl radio is so consistent. And every, and and every time I plugged it, I said, our next episode is coming right, right up. (laughs) And I lied so many times, but this time (laughs) I'm telling you the truth. Uh, So you should subscribe. The, the moral of that story is that you should subscribe to Supergirl radio. So and also and, to and the Legends of Tomorrow, of tomorrow. <laughs> or you can subscribe to the DC TV podcast Mega Feed and Mega get feed. everything. And then you don't even have to worry because you're going to get all of the shows. Um, <laughs> and you should also check out the Fakest because I did a um, a voice, uh, a little voice acting myself, a small bit. Well, that's very exciting. So, uh, see, we were already doing our own uh, voice acting here at DC TV <laughs> podcast. So, if anybody needs to uh, get some actors for <laughs> that. Uh, Serial box uh, uh, Arrowverse storyline. Uh, we're available. Just hit us up at uh, dctvpodcast.com. <laughs> um, well, until next time, thank you for everyone who has contributed to this Malefic character spotlight. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Lennon. And we cannot wait to hear how this character's name is pronounced on the CW Supergirl. I'm very interested in finding out how they want to do that and hopefully they'll stick with it. <laughs>